400 years ago, on November 11th, the Pilgrims arrived to what is now Cape Cod and signed the Mayflower Compact. They committed to each other. They committed to God as the author and provider of their lives. 400 years later, we celebrate Thanksgiving to this very same God who provides everything we have and everything we need. Welcome to Church Public. Let's get started. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to Church Public, and we look at the intersection of faith and culture. Check us out at churchpublic.com, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, at Church Public. So it is Thanksgiving, and we are looking at what this means for us. What does this really mean, especially in light of all of the craziness that has been going on? It has been such a weird year, to the point that in several states, several cities, we have been told that we cannot even celebrate Thanksgiving. Never in my lifetime, never even in the history of America have the people been told they cannot celebrate a holiday like Thanksgiving. In fact, quite the opposite. Thanksgiving, from the very beginning, from that very first moment that people arrived to America, they committed themselves to God and thanked God for how he had provided and prayed to God that he would continue to provide. And it, would it be a crazy thought that you can't celebrate Thanksgiving because of what Thanksgiving signifies for America and for its people? We just passed this 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims landing, um, and it's uh, it's in between November 11th and then sometime in December they landed on Plymouth Rock and I didn't hear much about it in the news. I'm not even sure it's taught in schools anymore because of things like the 1619 Project and people thinking that those arrived in America were colonizers and looking for some place to practice slavery. But the truth is so far from that. That is not why people came here. The pilgrims specifically came here for freedom, specifically religious freedom. You see, they were fleeing a king. And actually a few monarchies. It wasn't even just one king. It was England, France, a bunch of other countries where those those governments and those kings only allowed worship of a certain thing or in a certain way. The king of England, King James, had declared himself a god himself. He declared a god and, and said basically that people had to worship either him or worship through him. It was a very weird time for those that follow the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God um, with Jesus as the center of, of our relationship with God. Um, stories like Daniel, there's there are stories throughout the Bible where kings declare themselves gods and the people of God go, hey, hey, wait a minute, there is a God and I'm pretty sure you're not him. So the people left. They went all over Europe and then realized there was not even a place in Europe they could go to get the religious freedom they were looking for, and they set off for America and landed here 400 years ago. And so they landed here on that day that they landed here. They signed this compact that they all came from different places. They all had different ideas, but they wanted to commit to God and to commit to one another. If that sounds familiar, it's because that's Jesus' commandment, love God and love one another. And it was these pilgrims that then a year later, 1621, celebrated this first Thanksgiving that we celebrate today. But the reason we celebrate has been so lost in these weeds of consumerism and Black Friday and protests against colonization that we don't understand the real significance of Thanksgiving. So I want to share a little bit about that today. The story of Thanksgiving is a story of faith and providence. God provides, God blesses, and we are thankful for God's abundance. 
And this goes in stark contrast to the proposed scarcity that's pressed upon us by politicians, the media, the academy, elites, celebrities. This narrative that we've been sold is that God does not control the world. That's the basis of it. We've talked about that time and time again on this podcast, and we'll continue to. They believe there is no God. And because of that, that's really the root. That's the root of all of our problems, all of America's problems, all of humanity's problems, really, the belief that there is no God. So since God does not control the world in this narrative, as we are told it, the world is out. The world is out of everything. The world is out of time. It's out of air. It's out of water. It's out of resources. It's out of space. It's out of medicine and on and on and on. We're on borrowed time and we're all going to die. And of course, death cannot happen. So we have to avoid death by any means necessary. But we, but we are going full force a million miles an hour into the end. We've been told by some that we only have 12 years left on the earth before the world ends because of climate change and we have to do something about it or the world is over or we're out of space and we're overpopulated. All of these things, it's scarcity. It's this idol of scarcity, this God, lower G, God of scarcity that stands in direct opposition to the actual God, God of the Bible, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the the God whose son is Jesus, that gives us everything we need, gives us our very life and breath and all the, all the things that we need to provide for us to have life and even have abundance in life. But because we're following this lowercase g, God of scarcity or whatever, you have to conserve everything, even conserving your breath. Socialism and Marxism, of course, are also rooted in this, this idea of scarcity. There is not enough to go around, so we have to take from you and give to someone else. And we've talked about that uh, at length. You can go back and listen to some of those. Today, though, we're talking about Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is rooted in God, especially not in things like Black Friday or turkey or dinners uh, with family and friends. As nice as those are, no, Thanksgiving is rooted in God. Really, Thanksgiving is even kind of like the 4th of July in this country. Because Thanksgiving started in this country signifying that God provided a place where people could worship in the way that they wanted and follow God with their hearts and not be constrained by weird and unruly kings and tyrannical kings and leaders by that means. And it's about how God, both on Thanksgiving and the 4th of July, through the Declaration of Independence and then later the Constitution, how God provided a space for freedom of religion and set up this government by the people, by the citizens, not through a tyrant, so that the freedoms, especially freedom of religion, could be exercised. This nation, even back to 1620, was built on this rule of God, this providence of God. This is why it is self-government, because self-government leaves room for God to rule, not a king, not a tyrant. This whole government And this form of government, this idea of self-government, actually doesn't work without God. And we see that more and more and more as the days go by. And that's the very problem we're having right now. In reality, we'll never be united as a nation again if we do not turn back to God. Previous leaders knew this. In fact, immediately after the country was founded in 1776, In 1777, one year later, Sam Adams created this type of holiday of Thanksgiving because the founders realized if we wanted to have more blessing, 
we needed to acknowledge the blessing we already have. We have to give thanks for what we have. The Constitution was founded to continue to uphold this religious freedom found through self-government. And some have said that self-government and belief in God are two sides of the same coin. In other words, if you have self-government, you have to have a belief in God. The belief in God is necessary for self-government because the morality required to govern yourself and the city and the state and the country have to come from somewhere. And that self-government has to come from that morality, that responsibility, that personal sense of, of virtue that you have. And then conversely, if you have atheism or no belief in God, you always have tyranny every time because there is no underlying value or personal responsibility because you don't have something outside of yourself to give you values, to give you virtue, to give you responsibility. Instead, you make it up based on whatever personal value system you have created, and that leads to tyranny because something has to keep and gain control. And usually, the most powerful person in the place rises up to take that. So in America, we don't have a king. But as I mentioned, we do have a small G God. You can call that science. You can call it the experts. You can call it the politicians or the ruling class. Um, And ultimately, they, the governing elite, are now the priests of this kingdom. They believe that whatever, quote, science is the God. And if you disagree, even if you disagree with more science, which used to be the way, right, the, the scientific method is, come up with a hypothesis and actually doubt your hypothesis and try to test it, And if you can't test it to completion, you change your hypothesis and test it again. Now the hypothesis is believe what I'm saying and either find a report to agree with what I'm saying. And if there is a report that disagrees, we're just going to ignore that or push it to the side and not listen to it. That's not actually science, but that's a topic for a different day. So, This God of science, if you don't agree with, you're silenced, you're banished. You can no longer be in the kingdom of their God if you do not bow down to it. So going back to the founders, um, again, they knew that putting God in the center of their hearts, in the center of even their city, in the center of their governance was ultimately necessary in order to have a functioning society. On December 17th, 1777, the founders set aside a day of thanksgiving to acknowledge with gratitude, this is a quote, their obligation to him, to God, for benefits received and to implore further blessings as they have need, end quote. And they issued a prayer to God to nurture, quote, the schools and seminaries of education that are necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety, end quote. They knew that Not only did you have to put God in the center of everything that you're doing, but you had to teach God to the schools, to the seminaries, to the next generation, so that they too would understand that God needs to be at the center or self-governance does not work at all. Twelve years later, in 1789, the nation marked a day of Thanksgiving on November 26th by George Washington calling for a day of public thanksgiving and public prayer. Listen to what he says, quote, to beseech God to pardon our national and other transgressions and to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, end quote. 
all of these founders knew that we had to lean on God for ourselves, for our own lives, and for the lives of our brothers and sisters in the country. This is what Thanksgiving looked like even before 1863 when Lincoln established it as the permanent fixed day on the last week, the last Thursday of November. But right before we get to Abraham Lincoln, in 1849, a much less famous person, Robert C. Winthrop, in Massachusetts, addressed the Massachusetts Bible Society and said, quote, All societies of men must be governed in some way or another. The less they have of stringent state government, the more they must have of individual self-government. The less they rely on public law or physical force, the more they must rely on private moral restraint. Men, people, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by power within them or a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet, end quote. I know that was a long and rather old worded phrase, but in essence, what he's saying is either we govern ourselves because of the the moral law within us that is brought by God or someone that is stronger with a bayonet or a sword or a gun will govern you. We will have governance. That is just a reality. It hasn't been a reality for all of time. Someone will rise up and someone will rule. And either that happens by force or that happens in the instance of America and almost solely in the instance of America. This idea of governance really in this way has never been tried before and never even succeeded in in any such measure before. So either you're governed by this idea of personal responsibility, personal morality, or you will be governed by the sword and someone strong will rise up and they will govern and they may be a good and moral leader. In a lot of instances throughout history, the one with the most power is not necessarily the most moral of people. And we see that time and time again. The reason right now we have this so-called tyranny in our government, and they're telling us if we can open our businesses, or if you can go to church, or if you can even have Thanksgiving, or even breathe our own air with this mask mandates. The reason we have this popping up all over America is that we have lost our dependence on God. Instead, we turn to, as Winthrop put it, the strong arm of man. And this is what Thanksgiving is all about, turning our dependence to God. God gives us everything we have, everything we need, even more than we need, even more than we ask or imagine. Without God, self-government does not work. Without the acknowledgement of our dependence on God, without the acknowledgement of his provision, we can't govern ourselves because we have no moral foundation to stand on. We can't live on our own without God. So we must impose the will of either a utilitarian and benefactor of 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 high standing and high power or in most cases as i mentioned some kind of tyrannical worldview and this is imposed on the people thanksgiving as a holiday has its roots in the arrival of the pilgrims and then a year later 1621 this feast that they had and even this feast has its roots in the bible this fall harvest uh, this harvest of tabernacles it's called in the old testament 
where you celebrate all that God has given you and you celebrate the harvest, you celebrate the provision that God has given you. And now we celebrate it in November, as I mentioned, because this girl named Sarah Josepha Hall, who petitioned Abraham Lincoln to create this current holiday, and he created it then uh, in the 1860s to on the last day, on the last Thursday of the last week of November. So this crazy problem we now face ironically, is the very abundance that God, the real God, big G God, provides. God has been so good to this nation of America. He has blessed this nation with incredible abundance of food and wealth and resources to the point that it actually allows us to turn to this idol, this weird false God of scarcity and blame scarcity, as we talked about before, because the safety net we have is so big that there's not really much risk yet. And in the end of Deuteronomy, we read about this. This is not a new thing. In chapter 32, when Jeshurun, or Israel, became fat, he abandoned God. The irony is that, the ironically, in times of famine or scarcity, real scarcity, you actually turn to God because you need him. When you are starving and when you have nothing left, you have nothing left to get, nothing left to eat, nothing left to give, you have to turn to God because He's the only one left that could provide. And ironically, we're so on the other side of that. We have so much that we don't need God. The only reason this lockdown and and shutdown has been even possible during this time is because of the abundance of things like Amazon and other shopping online, food services that literally deliver to your door. And of course, when we need our personal connection, we just go to Zoom. All things that are not, real. They're not they're not real ways that we connect and real ways that we depend on God and notice that God is actually providing for us. And we're long since those days. We're long from the days when the majority of America knew that God was the source of life, the source of freedom, the source of every blessing. And it has unraveled the very fabric of justice. We see people burning down cities. In many states, the governors have released criminals from prison into the streets because the virus is too dangerous for them in prison. Looting and rioting are celebrated if they're for certain causes. But if you have too many people over for Thanksgiving, you may be fined. You may be jailed. If you went to the beach when it was closed, you would literally be arrested. I saw people that got arrested just for going to the beach. If you open your business when it's mandated closed, you'll be cited or worse. If you open your church when it is supposed to be closed, you're cited, you're fined. If you don't wear your mask, you are publicly shamed and in some places cited or fined. But if you need marijuana, go ahead and get it. The store is open. If you want to go to a strip club, go ahead. It is not closed. Our morality is exactly backwards because it's not based on God. It's based on this random human idea about what is right and wrong and thereby it's based on shifting sand with no foundation. So we may not be thankful for this country right now. We may not be thankful for the tyranny that's growing more and more commonplace, and we don't know where things are going. It doesn't look like a good direction, but we are thankful for a God who does not slumber, who does not sleep, who cares for you, who loves you, who fights for you. And unlike the first Thanksgiving, where they were literally thankful to have anything to eat, and they were literally starving in the scarcity of a whole new world. We are spiritually starving. We need to find our spiritual food. We need to find our dependence on God once again because we need him and we need to find him in new ways and new times. We are physically full and we are resource heavy. 
but we are spiritually dry and we need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for this country. The only thing that could possibly save this, the only thing that could possibly change anything is God. We need to pray for God. We need to pray for God to step in. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for hearts to return to God because God is the only provider of everything and the only one that could possibly, possibly help us. Jesus said to his disciples in John 4, and this is right after the woman at the well, which I talked about the other day, one of my favorite passages. Jesus talks to the woman and he actually offers her spiritual water to drink that will never go dry because it is this spirituality, this Holy Spirit that lives in us that sustains us and fulfills us in times of need and and all the time, really. And right after that, his disciples come up and they say, hey, we brought you some food. And and Jesus, in, in chapter 4, around verse 30 and 31, Jesus says, I'm good. I don't need any food because I already have some food. And they just, it's one of those moments that you just want to be in and you just want to live in. And, and like the text goes by so fast, but you want to feel the emotion of it and just go like, the disciples have just worked, worked themselves really hard to go to another city, find some food for Jesus because they thought he was hungry and they bring him the food and he's like, no, no, I'm good. And the disciples probably like downhearted are like, what? Like we just did all this work for you and, and now you say you don't need food. But he says, no, listen. This is around verse 32. I have food to eat you don't know about. And the disciples are like, what? Jesus, what are you talking about? Verse 33, could someone have brought him some food? And so Jesus answers so so appropriately. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. In other words, the food that we need to have is doing this good work of God. And God has prepared the people. He has prepared the soil. He has prepared these works in ahead for us to do, as Ephesians 2 says, and we have this, this, it's not even a responsibility. It's such a great choice. It's such a great opportunity that we have to go out and harvest because God has prepared this time. So look around, pray for those around you, share this good news with them, especially as we enter into Thanksgiving, because we are thankful. We're thankful for how God has provided. We're thankful for the abundance of resources. We are thankful for the opportunity to be dependent on God, not just for physical things, but for our spiritual food, for our spiritual health, for the work that God has given us to do. And we can be thankful with our friends, with our family, regardless of what the government is telling us to do. We have God in our lives and we have God as the true head of our world because he is his kingdom is so much bigger than the kingdom of this world. God's kingdom surpasses all and we can glory him. We can honor him. We can give him all praise and we can give him all thanks on this Thanksgiving. I hope you spend it well. I hope you take a moment with your friends and family to recognize how much God has given you in spite of all of the things that are going on and you can lean on him more and more as we seek after him with our heart and soul and mind and strength. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of this. I hope that God blesses you and keeps you, and I hope that you keep the faith.
Thanks again for joining us at Church Public. Check us out at churchpublic.com, iTunes, Spotify, 